Thanks for tuning in to Off the Wall. I'm your host, Joshua Wall, and joining me on the show today is Dave Carroll from Freedom House. Dave, thanks so much for being here. Josh, anytime I get the call from my friend Josh saying, hey, you want to talk on the internet? You want to talk on my, my porch? You want to talk in general? I'm there for you. I uh, love chatting with you. You're a fascinating dude, Josh Wall. You're a fascinating fellow. Thank you so much. I'm so excited that you're here. It's a bit of a role reversal for us because every other time we've done an interview, I've been sitting in your chair and you've yeah. been sitting in mine. So I always I'm a wacky off. guest. I'm, I'm a much wackier guest than I am host. Just so, yeah. So I, I get a little bit crazy when I get to be a guest. So I'm looking forward to that. So to start <laughs> everything off for our watchers, our listeners, who's Dave? Who is Dave? Well, I'm a graying 44-year-old that likes to make jokes, but uh, I'm a, I'm a, I was born and raised in, in Brantford, uh, went away to broadcast school. Um, media was always been always one of my passions. Uh, got married young. My wife and I lived in West Africa for six months, and uh, we thought we were going to change the world. And as it turns out, living in another culture changed us. And um, uh, really, for me, um, stirred my heart for my home city. Um, as uh, like many people from the Gen X generation, my, my contemporaries will tell you, um, many that are, you know, the workers and entrepreneurs in the city today, and they, uh, we all wanted to leave town. Uh, that's what, what our goal was, was to get out of Brantford. And uh, something about this city just kept, uh, kept on drawing us back. And so um, when we got back from Africa, he said, let's dig in here and let's try and uh, make change, use kindness, make change. And, and uh, this, for me, the city is part of my, uh, part of my opus of my life. I, I want to do whatever I can to be able to change the city um, by good into good, as Captain Kindness says. So um, that's, that's who I am. got three kids, um, all in high school, or I'm sorry, the two of them in high school, all teenagers. And so I'm in the thick of that. And that's why I'm graying. But the gray looks quite distinguished of the black sweater, doesn't it, Josh? So it really, like, it looks like I dip my beard in frosting. Like if I just went and, you know. You look you say? very distinguished, sir. <laughs> um, if someone were to ask me, who's Dave Carroll? I think well, I would sum it up in... He's an ambassador for the community, for love and for kindness and for all the things that make Brantford great. And you've been doing this for a long time. Uh, if you go onto YouTube and you type in Brantford in quotation marks and you look at videos that are uploaded, there's a very famous video of you when you were, I think, younger than me uh, and you're in the Eaton's Mall and yep. uh, it's, I can't remember what the name of the show was, but you were hosting a the, segment. It was the Dave Carroll show. Of I, course uh, it was. The good, the good folks at Rogers gave me uh, my own late night style talk show when I was 18 years old. And that was one of the segments was running around in the uh, former Eaton's mall with no pants on. <laughs> so you've been doing this for a long time. So as I said, you know, when I think of you, I think of you as a community ambassador the question I have to ask you is, why? Well, you know, the media stuff, the media stuff was second nature to me. Like I grew up, uh, you know, my mom tells a story about uh, when I was uh, a, 
a young kid at the Linden Park Mall. We're walking down the walking down the aisle, and I wa- I walked up to Sears, and I looked at it, and I stopped, and with this, she said almost like a like you were announcing it. You went S E A R S Sears. <laughs> and I was like, what are you doing? What is this kid doing? She's like, you were born with a microphone in your hand, and I, you know, I when the Blue Jays would be on when I was a kid, I would. Uh, Tom Cheek and Jerry Howarth would call the games and I would do my own broadcast. I'd mute the TV and I'd call baseball games and into my Fisher Price tape recorder and, and listen back to it. And for whatever reason, it, that's the stuff just always came, came naturally to me. And, uh, but like I said, I mean, I, I was, I was, I was as disillusioned as, as any, uh, any pouty Gen Xer was. And I, and uh, I went through quite a time where, where I didn't really care about much. And I, I would all, and, and, and truth be told, I am a, I am a uh, pessimistic person by nature. I'm not an optimist in the optimist, pessimist glass, half full, half empty by nature. I am always half empty and I'm always the pessimist. And that surprises people uh, because um, you asked me why for me, it's because I chose to be something positive because my my own nature is to not be my own nature is to be a skeptic and to be pessimistic and and to see the worst in people and to see the worst in a community that's my that's my nature um but uh for me i things really changed in my late teens early 20s and and uh you mentioned um from freedom house and help pastor freedom house church and really my faith was it was the defining thing that that allowed me to see the the light part of life, allowed me to see the good parts of life, and and things like broadcasting and media and all these things. Josh, for for me, it took on a new meaning, and and for a long time, it was all sort of about me and me trying to get jokes and make jokes. And I still love jokes. I love I love making people laugh. It's like it's like one of my favorite things. And if things can't be fun, I I would almost rather not do it because there are ways to be able to bring light and life into even bigger. Um, bigger picture strategic stuff but I I got captured by the idea that a city could be changed with kindness I I I just I I, I've never been able to shake it and 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 so for me it's been a all right if you use this stimuli to be able to do this how would people change here how what could you change how do you change the culture of a street what if you injected this in here oh no that didn't work okay great what if I injected this in there and personal transformation and street transformation and city transformation has been like a sort of a weird um, <laughs> science experiment for me about how, how do you do it? How do you do it? And, and things like laughing and media and podcasts and TV and all these things for me means something because the point of me doing it means something. And I've found purpose and fulfillment in being able to take the stuff that I, I was when I was a kid telling jokes into a Fisher Price tape recorder and use that for a grander purpose. And so I do it because I, I can see a vision of what a city could be and what it, what it can look like. And I think everybody has a role to play in it. And so the reason why I do it and, and keep doing it is because I choose to do it because I choose to see the good over the bad because my nature goes to bad but i know what i want to see and so i have to choose to do it and i think that's a super important thing that sometimes people think that positive people that they see all big and flamboyant and stuff don't get down or depressed or that they're even like that by nature but i actually find it quite the opposite many of the best people are pessimists that have to choose to be optimistic you are 
a change maker, sir. And uh, it is <laughs> well, something. the more you get to know you, the more you realize how many different things that you are actually involved in. And I mean, it's clear to see why. I mean, because you bring something unique and special to the table. So before we dive into Freedom House, mm -hmm. run me through how you got to where you are from where you were. And I'm asking for the chronological timeline here. Uh, what, where did it start? And you, to anybody watching or listening or anybody who knows you, you do now live this really extraordinary life where you get to pursue your passions. You get to be a part of, you know, change. You get to be a part of the, you know, building a better Brantford. Did you always do that? Uh, have you always yeah. been? Walk me through <clears throat> from beginning to now. All I ever wanted to be was Johnny Carson, you know, like I mean, when uh, when I was a kid, I would listen to uh, to global TV on the radio and, and Johnny, Johnny would do his, uh, his his monologue and I would go to my grade six class and I would, I got my, you know, it was one of my earliest impressions and I would do, I would do Johnny's, Johnny's monologue and nobody would know the US political humor when I was that I was doing and, and that's all I ever wanted to be was Johnny Carson or Dave Letterman and, and that sort of thing. And I, or, or a professional baseball player, but I realized I wasn't funny enough to be Johnny Carson and I wasn't good enough at sports to, to play for the Blue Jays. So, and so I, you know, I realized that somehow I was going to have to be able to carve my own way in this. And, and uh, I, I went to broadcast college. Um, it was when my, my faith uh, became a, a real thing. Uh, and some people were saying you need to go to Bible college and go into the ministry and that sort of thing. But I, I really felt like whatever my calling was to use kind of more spiritual terms was, was not just a traditional thing that it was, it was a, it was a kind of a wider, a wider swath of, of how do you change communities? So I went to broadcast school, and like I said, uh, my time in West Africa uh, after um, after college, I got married really young. My my wife was really the person that saw something deeper in me when my I was I I, I was uh, sixth year of high school. Uh, now that there's four people can't believe that I did six, but I I drank my way through my fifth year of high school. I was a I was a drunk. I was a failure at school and I, I went back to my sixth year of high school and, and she was one of the most important people um, in my life that saw something more than just sort of a dumb drunk that tried to make jokes all the time. And she didn't even laugh. She still doesn't really laugh at me. And I, it's one of the things I respect the most about her is that she doesn't find me that funny because she goes, well, you are, it's fine. You're funny. Ha ha ha. You tell your jokes to other people, but I see more in you. And she kind of called it out in me when I was like 19 years old and failing at high school. And she called me up higher and called, you know, to go, hey, live your faith. You grew up with this. It's important. And she was right. And uh, so got back from Africa and I worked, I worked for, you know, uh, you know, 10 plus years in media. And when we were starting Freedom House, and we'll talk about that process. But when we started it, I was working uh, nine to five in Hamilton in radio, uh, writing radio ads. Um, and I wrote some of the worst radio ads you can imagine, like some terrible, terrible campaigns for every, you know, uh, 10 campaigns that you, you do, one of them works, you know, and, and uh, because of all kinds of different, all kinds of different things. And, but at the end of that 10 years, I ended up winning um, a national advertising award, a crystal awards for the second best radio campaign across the country before I hung up my, uh, my writer's pen for and move back to Brantford. But for, for the 10 years, I was really beginning to go, all right, how do you change the city? 
I was working nine to five in radio slugging away. And part of it was to partner with my wife's dream of having kids and being able to be home with with our kids. And so for me, partnering with her passions were just as important as as mine. And so as much as I wanted to just strike out, I and and again, every morning I would get up and go, God, do I really have to go to Hamilton and write radio ads again? And he said, be a good man, do your job. You know, and and so I was I was nine to five in it in another city commuting and it was tiring. And uh, thankfully a number of years back was able to uh, come and spend my full time um, inside the community and, and uh, this church uh, that helped start really was able to release me to do with my time, things like this and encourage uh, people like you, Josh, and do some of the different Rogers cable kind of stuff to invest in the community and to be able to remind the community of who it is and, and what it can be. And so, yeah, no, I mean, I, uh, and, and it's a, it's a job, but, you know, counsel people, care for people, uh, church plan, speak, all these different things. That's a, that's a full-time gig, but the community really is, has been my, my focus. Um, but not it. And, and people, people want to be, you know, carefree and just do what you want, but you gotta, you gotta work too. You gotta, it's, it's, it's a lot of hard work and, um, it takes, uh, there's a lot of hard work and time that goes into uh, creating a life that allows you to kind of do some of your, your dreams and things too, so. What a great story. And thank you for sharing it. And it's clear to see how you did get from where you were to where you are now. So as we move in to talk more about Freedom House then, it's not like Freedom House is a new thing. You've been doing Freedom House for a while, but for anybody who's watching or anybody who's listening and they don't know what Freedom House is, what is Freedom House? How did it start and how has that transformed? Yeah, I think it's been, I think we just hit our 17th anniversary or something like that. And, and, uh, uh, got back from Africa around, uh, late 2000 um, helped start the uh, Christian radio station um, that still uh, exists today in different forms right around, I guess, 2001, something like that. And uh, Brian Beatty, who is lead pastor of Freedom House, was sort of a friend of a friend at the time and got back from Africa and started uh, chatting with him about city transformation and how do you change the city with the church and, and started talking about how far too often, especially at the time, and I think it's a different situation uh, somewhat today, but it was it was a it was a tough era for the church because they had stopped being involved in the community and had become very insular and very um, inside the ketchup bottle, as they say in you know in the in the marketing world, and forgot to serve other people, forgot that part of its whole mandate, and not individual church. I'm speaking uh, in general, and uh, and. Brian and his wife, Charlotte, years ago had been to a place in Los Angeles called the Dream Center. And um, it's this wonderful place that I've been now a number of times and we take teams to still, but it was a former hospital in downtown Los Angeles that uh, the, this group had converted into essentially about 150 different community outreaches that they, that they went and tried to great literacy program perfect feeding program perfect this that the other thing and they use their space to be able to go and bless and serve the community and we started talking about what could a church look like what could a church look like and uh, we started with 10 people in brian's living room and said what could a church look like and we we bought an old bar in downtown brantford it was used to be called the scene it was bright blue and um and we bought this bar and started a church from scratch and many of the people that thought it 
it was a good idea and said they were going to come along for the ride didn't and uh, other people that we couldn't believe they would take a risk on uh, something brand brand new in a bar in really what was a, a, a mess of an area at the time and it really really was I mean people were turning tricks in the parking lot and and uh was was crack houses across the street i mean we would go out there at night in fact we started doing our street barbecues that we sort of became known for for a lot of years because we sat out on the street there almost 20 years ago and and we watched the drug trade happening right across the road from us we watched kids who were eight to ten years old sit on lawn chairs and uh, a crack house the guy would come out and whistle and the kids would go in get the drugs and then they would ride their bike off into the off into the night, and this is like twelve o'clock midnight, and and I, I'd never seen anything like it. I couldn't believe what was happening, and so we then it was a bit of a rubber meets the road thing for us to go. All right, smart guy, you say that you want to go and be transformation boy, so what are you gonna do, right? And so we're like, I don't know. <laughs> let's figure something out let's inject something in here let's set up a barbecue and start hollering free burgers into the midnight sky and that's what we, that was our grand strategy and uh, how do you inject kindness in into this scenario we started to make friends and relationships and started to help uh not just not just try and like tell things to people but really get to know them and know their stories and who they are and you know you started to meet people involved in doing things that you go i, I can't believe exist like husbands that would come with their wives and their kids and have a hot dog with you put their kids to bed and then the husband was the wife's pimp and and you go and, and you hear the story josh and it, that reaction was exactly a reaction going what like how could this ever possibly be but you continue to come and you continue to talk and you continue to build relationship and you start hearing the real stories of these people and the and the complex struggles that get to a place where something shocking like that could possibly happen and and you again you try and bless and serve and then you start to understand more you start to understand more you start to understand more and then you get a wider picture of all right how do we change the culture of this street eventually we ended up turning that bar into affordable housing because we realized that people needed places to live that they would try and get out of these cycles of poverty and then they would go right back into the same places where all the temptations were there and they needed a safe place to live and so we turned our church into affordable housing that we still own and um and uh you know we've done all kinds of different things with, with freedom house, Josh, and it is a church where on a Sunday you come and there's a live worship band and you worship Jesus. And we have all the different things that churches have, but really our, our mission is to see, is to see cities changed and to see cities transformed and, and to be able to serve and bless the community and to find the business community and go, great. How do we help you be kind? How do we serve you to find our political community and go, great. Thank you for serving. How do we serve you? How do we bless you? The, the social, the, the social, um, the social groups, it's, it's to be able to go wonderful. You're doing such a great job. How do we serve you? How do we bless you? How do we help make you the hero of your story and your passion? And, um, that's been like 17 years and, uh, it's always been interesting. <laughs> We're going to unpack this because 17 years is a long time. And I know that it's so important to you because you've mentioned it numerous times now about serving your community. And just off the top of my head, I could 
just ring off a number of different ways that Freedom House serves our community. But I want to let you talk about it. Uh, you know, for example, Frosty Fest. Uh, mm -hmm. For example, you know, Baptism in the Square. Uh, for example, the Kindness Awards. Could you talk about that? Can you talk about, you know, why it's so important that you're doing these transformational events for our community? Well, this was the first year in... I don't know, 12 years that we weren't able to do Frosty Fest for, for obvious reasons. And so it was, uh, it was, it was certainly a bummer, but we're, uh, you know, obviously hoping to be able to, that by next year, we're going to get all this cleared up, right? It's all going to be cleared up by next year, right, Josh? Yeah. Just say yes. Yeah. yeah okay, great. And, uh, but we, the, the, the reason why those other things happen, it was Frosty Fest was one of our big first pushes and, and we were like, all right, we're here downtown. We want to see downtown, um, come alive. And so Harmony Square was was pretty new. And there was the clash of a culture that was a really crappy culture downtown, frankly, with this shiny new vision of what could be. And Harmony Square was this, it was a, the city had put a lot of hope that this square was going to be the detonator and instigator for the kind of downtown that we uh, ha had hoped and dreamed of. And so we just took those principles and we went to, all right, who are the people that are the influencers there? And we said, how do we serve and bless you? And we went to Lori Don Caven, who was uh, the head of programming at Harmony Square at the time. And we said, hi, you don't know me. We're from Freedom House. How do we make you great at your job? How do we take what we have and, and help you be successful? And she said, well, I don't know. And they they had just um, th that past year done the first jazz festival. Frankie DeFelice went down and, you know, brought the horns and the fun. And they had just done this this jazz festival and we're all excited about it. And Lori Don said, well, we've got something in the in the warm months. What about winter? Uh, we could really use something anchor in the winter. Like, like, what about a winter carnival? Could you guys do a winter carnival? And Brian, without thinking much about the implications of it, said, sure, we can do a winter carnival. And then came back to our leadership team and said, hey, I just committed us to doing a winter carnival. Isn't that exciting? And, and there was not that many of us in the church at the time. And we didn't know what it entailed. And so we Googled what is a winter carnival <laughs> and, and piece together Frosty Fest. The first year we did it, there was a camel there. I don't know why, why in the world we thought that was a good idea. It was not, but the camel didn't come back, but the festival kept coming back. And, and, and when we took this step and if it did, the first year didn't go well, Josh, there would have been no more freedom house. Like it was a big risk. It was a big financial risk. And, um, but as we continued, we saw thousands and thousands and thousands of people coming into the downtown. And at uh, one moment, uh, Chris Friel, who was the mayor at the time, he stood up on the stage and he goes, he goes, this is, he, we, it was a, on the family day. And it was one of those like four degrees in February kind of days. It was so beautiful. And I mean, people, as far as the eye could see, and he said, this is the watershed moment in the transformation of our downtown because people like me had grown up uh, people like Lucas Duguid had grown up uh, downtown and it'd be an awful place. Lucas has some terrible personal traumatic stories about being downtown. And then when he got his bakery up and going, put his bakery there and Octopus Red started there. And it was as a, we're not going to let this defeat us. We're going to, we're going to push forward us band of Gen Xers who are doing this on purpose and, and uh, it was, it was beautiful. And so some of these other things, Josh, just became cool. Great. Now, where does life need to be injected? Neat. Do we have capacity to inject life here? Yes. No. Okay. 
if we don't, how do we encourage somebody who does have the capacity to inject light? So things like the kindness awards, we realize that people are, are under-encouraged, that people who do incredible things are, are, are often unseen and under-encouraged. So do we have the capacity? What would encourage people? What about an award ceremony for the average person? Cool, great. Can we do that? Sure, we can do that. We can cut up sandwiches and put on fancy tablecloths and buy some trophies. Would that encourage people? Sure, great. Let's do it. Let's create something. And, and that's sort of been our story of how do you keep on changing the city? What needs, where is their dark? How do you inject light? Can we do it? Yes, no. If we can't, who can and who can we encourage to go and do it? There's one thing that is just consistent throughout all of the stories that you have shared so far today. And it's persistence, determination, and a commitment to transformational change. And it's just so wonderful to hear and it. And thick skin. And thick skin. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so I couldn't think that there was a better segue then for us to go into the theme of today's episode. And I thought, you know, I've got Dave Carroll here from Freedom House. And every week I try to pick a different theme for my guests to just kind of share their own personal spin on. And I thought mm. for our episode, uh, the theme could be to have faith or having faith. And to just go into that a little bit, you can't do what you do without having faith that it'll work out, having in faith in people, having faith in a higher power. In your own words, can you tell our viewers and listeners why it's so important to have faith and what that means to you? I don't think you can create anything new without having a degree of faith, right? Because you have to be able to see something that isn't there yet and go, I'm going to go there and I'm going to believe that when I go there, something good is going to happen, right? There's a, there's a scripture that says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. I believe it's in the, in the, in the book of, of, of Hebrews. And that's, it's neat because that's a kick in the pants, to people, to people of faith, to be able to go, you have to be able to continue to walk by faith, not necessarily by sight, and to call things out that aren't as are, right? Like when we first, when we first started down the, the, the road of how do you change the city, and, and we started, uh, I'll bring you back even to, to the Christian radio station days. Uh, Brian and I were part of the team that started this Christian radio station, and Brian started using the term Brantford, city of God, just as a, as a, as a, as a, and, and really the city was a mess at the time. It, it was, there was some bad stuff. Like it really, we weren't clicking. This was before we really started clicking as a, as a city and getting some upward momentum again. And the, you know, the Massey Ferguson hangover was, was heavy and long and hard. It was real. I don't want to under, under, under or um, appreciate it because it was very hard and, and real for, for people, but it took a long time for people to start getting the mindset of we can. And, and in the Jesus context, we started saying Brantford could be the city of God, essentially as a way in Christianese to be able to get people of faith, to be able to go, let's move forward. God could do great things in our city. And there was so much blowback, Josh, about this, 
about go, don't you see the problems? Don't you see these things? Don't you see the negatives? And people go, how dare you call this the city of God? We've got this and that and the other thing. And it was stunning to me as a young, as a young me. And I know I've had discussions with you about things that you are, you have faith in and you have hopes for, and you go, why can't other people see that too? Right. And that's where the thick skin comes in because when you're somebody of faith and you have faith to be able to see things happen, you, you have to realize that not everyone is going to see it and it's okay. And not only are it's not everyone going to see it, there'll be others that call you crazy because they think that you're delusional and, and you, and you have to be able to be okay with it. And so do I have faith in people? Yeah. <laughs> qualified. I, I, I have faith that there's goodness inside of everyone. And I know that not everyone is going to choose to be able to go, I'm going to purposefully choose to intentionally do the things that we need to do to be able to get from A to B. I do not have faith that everyone is going to that everyone is going to. I believe that everybody can and could, but I, I can trust in the fact that not everyone is going to. But I have to be fine with that because not everybody are visionaries. Not everyone is going to see that this idea. And so I have faith that for me, I believe that God wants cities to be changed. I just do. I, I, I look into the Bible. I look at the, 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 the commands to, 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 to love one another and to be able to, you know, there's uh, what, what Jesus said is that, and this is one of the things we say at Freedom House, we're just an ordinary group of people that believe that kindness can transform a city. We have two rules, love God, love others, and the rest is gravy. Like, I believe if you boil that down and simplify it, that if you, if you follow these things that Jesus taught, things are going to change. People's lives are going to change. And Josh, some people, I, I'm a macro thinker, like as much as I'm, you know, kindness boy and captain kindness in my mind everything is a chessboard and a stratego and a, and it's how do you move the different pieces to be able to accomplish the grand thing but i i've had to come to realize that this message for some people who are super relational the win is going to be helping a friend with a with a tough problem someone's having a tough day and so the how do you use kindness to transform a city can be very micro in i'm going to encourage somebody on facebook today instead of you all caps blasting a political view i don't like to some it's going to be all the way up to i'm going to create a visionary system to be able to help people out of systemic poverty and all the places in between so i have faith in a god that doesn't change for me jesus changed truthfully the reason why i am the way i am i can't i can't point to any other reason aside from jesus because something changed in me when i said yeah cool great this is my guy something changed in me and it was the difference between mopey miserable alcoholic dave and let's let's use what we have to be able to change the city it's it is the primary factor um so so i have faith josh that if people get how much um, love is available to be shared and how much goodness that we, we do have inside of us uh, to be shared, then uh, I have faith that, commu- that a, a community can be a, a, place of, a place of dreams. And I'm not, I'm not a, a goofy pie in the sky guy by any stretch of the imagination, but I believe that there, there are better ways for cities to be able to function and, and lots of it 
are reliant on people, ordinary people to do extraordinary things just by using the things that they have inside of them. That's what I, I have faith in, Josh. Incredibly wise words, my friends. And thank you so much for sharing them. Uh, it's so important to have faith. I know for me, I'm a firm believer that you get what you put out into this universe. And to me, if I had to quantify why I have faith, I have faith because I have seen results. I have mm. seen it in action that when you put into the universe what you want to do and you have faith, how you get there, it's impossible to know. But the first step to getting there is taking the step to get there and having faith that you will end up where you want to be. Mm. And Oh, it's so important to just have faith in what you're doing. And I hope that anybody in our audience who's watching or listening remembers to have faith in themselves because it starts out with having faith in yourself, believing that you can do it, believing that you can achieve the kind of transformation that you are discussing. I can't imagine the people who told you you were crazy when you got started doing this and how many people doubted you and, you know, for whatever reason, didn't believe what you believed. And you have been- hey, can I can I share a story? Because this is this is on a why we're on, here, on Dave. A, on an individual and kid scale, the kind of thing that ripples into adulthood if we don't if we don't make do this on purpose. So I was as Captain Kindness. Um, I got invited to and it was maybe a first grade class or something like that. I think it was at Briar Park School. I've been in so many different classrooms dressed up in my superhero jumpsuit over the years. They all blend into, into one. But I, I went to this first grade classroom and I had about 15 minutes in this classroom. And what I would do when I would go to different classes is I would um, ask people about how they can use kindness inside of themselves, and then how they can use kindness inside their home and then their school and then uh, their community. And then at the end, I, I, I tell the kids, you know, you have the power of kindness inside of you. Kindness is a superpower. Hoop-de-doo, right? So I, so I got into this class. And, uh, and the reason why we start with yourself is that many people don't like themselves and they forget that they have good things inside of them, right? And so I, I got there and I said, all right, how do you, how can you use kindness inside of yourself, kids? <laughs> and I had some people, I often go, you know, what do you like? You know, what, what are the, you like about yourself? I'm good at soccer. I really love ponies, you know, all kinds of first grade, wonderful answers. Right. And uh, actually one little girl once said, I love how much I love horses. And I thought that's the greatest thing to like about yourself ever. Anyway. So this, this one kid in this, on this day, when I asked about kindness inside of himself, he said, he, he looked at me and he said, I ain't no superhero. He put his hood up over his head. And I thought, Oh, okay, this is going to be a tough one. And then I went on to in kindness inside of your family no answer from him kindness inside of your school no answer from him and then i got to kindness inside of your community and he looked up at me and he said somebody broke into my house and beat up my mom and dad and i thought hmm that's not what i asked and uh and i thought my my mind starts racing and go oh boy i'm just a schmuck in a costume here what do i say to this kid who has clearly been dealing with some serious trauma. And uh, I, I knelt down and, and there was a, there's a scripture that says, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. And so I wanted to rephrase it. And I said, I said, you guard your heart, little man, you have goodness inside of you and don't let anybody tell you differently or take that away from you. And he 
broke down and he hugged me in this classroom. And I saw his first grade teacher with her eyes leaking over in the corner. And she told me later that this was, this kid was the reason why they wanted to be able to bring me in because he loved superheroes. And, and she told me this really tough story, but I've often thought of it, Josh, about how come sometimes as grownups, we, we can't, we can't see the forest from the trees and we can't, or why won't people take that jump to be able to purposefully do this? And I think sometimes it's because we're a hurt kid that's, that had trauma happen and people didn't remind you or remind them that they have goodness inside. And I, and, and so daily encouragements, like some days I'll sit on Facebook and go, I'm going to take invest half an hour who, who can I just shoot a quick encouragement to? We are all under encouraged and, and you don't know what the, a little shot of encouragement and kindness can do inside somebody's heart. And we've seen simple things like hot dogs unlock really deep stuff in people and, and turn into actual macro beautiful things where all of a sudden you can, people can see and have vision again, you know, so I'm going to make certain that you come back on the show so we can discuss some of these things in greater detail because there's just so much there. So wrapping this up on the idea of having faith and having faith in your faith in yourself, what you did that day, giving that kid faith that things would get better or, you know, that's why mentorship and having people you can look up to and other people in your life, when you have faith, you give faith to others mm -hmm. and that creates transformational change everywhere you take it. I'm so yeah. glad you shared that story, Dave. It's a good one. I've all, I, I, I often think about it. So we're going to move into the next part of the show. And every week I like to ask my guests to share something that they're a part of a nonprofit, a community organization, or an initiative. And uh, obviously what you're doing with Freedom House is extraordinary. But like we said at the beginning of the show, you're involved in so many different things. So who do you want to give a shout out to today? Let me give two quickies. One, please. Um, Transformation Canada. It's the um, I'm, I do quite a lot of work with them on their national leadership team. Um, guy named Ed Solvoso out uh, in California, originally an Argentinian guy, uh, was sort of one of the guys that inspired me to about how could not just use your your own faith, but how if if you um, if you get churches working together and putting there's a lot of little things in just like everything else in life but inside churches some of the different doctrinal and denominational differences often create um far superior risks than are necessary and uh and when the the nuts and the bolts of is that we really believe a lot of the same stuff and so we worked at creating a group called one church um where churches that are willing to come together to serve the city and put differences aside and and, and and Ed uh, was one of the first guys that I ever read that really strategically said, if we did this, we could honestly meet help meet macro needs in a city to to a level that is unprecedented. If people like, if there was a flood, if the if the if the local government could go, hey, hey, could you could you get two hundred people today to be able to mobilize to be able to sandbag? Cool, great. 
Like that was sort of one of our, our, our goals. And, um, Transformation Canada is the Canadian arm of, of his ministry. And uh, the goal is stuff like that, where how do you serve cities? How do you see cities changed? And uh, how, do you, how do you just throw away some of the different things that divide, focus on the things that unite? And uh, so we're working at doing that um, in different cities across the country. So there's that. And uh, I also really feel like I want to mention uh, Help a Child Smile doing work at Rogers um, over the years, uh, hosting Brant Life Weekly. I've had um, so many different charities, all of whom are absolutely wonderful. It's almost why I didn't want to just single out one local one. Um, but uh, when, when these guys came on, uh, Beth Walsh uh, years ago, uh, for the first time, I had never heard of Help a Child Smile. And she started telling the story about how they help pay even for parking for uh, kids that are dealing with cancer. And I, I just, as uh down the kindness road, I, I know what those kind of little practical things mean and can just infuse life. I just love what they do. Uh, it's uh, such a neat, a neat charity. And so uh, Help a Child Smiles, the other one I'll give a shout out to because uh, great, great people. Both of them sound like incredible organizations. Uh, I've had more experience with Help a Child Smile than Transformation Canada. Yeah. Um, before we get off the topic, then how would somebody get more involved with either? Where would they go? I would use the internet and write their names into it. And uh, the, our good friends at Google will probably help you. So help a child smile in Transformation Canada. I'm sure that they have all the different websites and social medias and all those different things. So hey, it, doesn't, it never hurts to say it. Google it, folks. Don't, don't even need it. I can just say, hey, Siri. No, you're going to make my Siri go Help up. a child smile. I'm here to help. Get to know Siri at apple.com. No, I won't do that, but there you go. All right. Okay, Dave, we've made it to the end of the episode. Oh, no. I can't believe done. we're here. I don't want it to end, but uh, I'm sure we've got other things to do. So uh, to end and wrap up every episode, somebody who is in our audience uh, has probably fallen in love with you, wants to follow uh, what you're doing. Uh, how do they stay involved with Dave? What's your Instagram, Facebook, Twitter? How do we, how do we get to know Dave? Well, I'm on the Facebook. I'm uh, on Twitter. I'm uh, at Dave Carroll. I believe I'm at Dave Carroll on Instagram. Uh, my kids think I should Snapchat. I'm not doing that yet. I, I can't can't cross that. You can find Freedom House at freedomhouse.ca. Um, and uh, over the last couple of months, I developed a podcast with a friend of mine out in Vancouver called Two Wise Fools. And uh, we talk about uh, things that are both profound and the completely inane in life um, because laughing is super, super important and um, realized over the last year that we needed a little bit more laughter in, in our lives. And uh, I think people have forgotten to, to smile and find joy. And, uh, and uh, so this is a guy that works on the downtown east side of uh, Vancouver, the poorest postal code in the country uh, with those who are... It, it's probably the most drug addicted few blocks uh, in the country. And he's also one of the funniest guys I know. And, uh, and those two have gone hand in hand to make this guy a pretty incredible dude. And so uh, Aaron White and I, every week on two wise fools, we try and make each other laugh about raisins and the completely stupid and talk about uh, important stuff like caring and refugees and all these different type things. You can find two wise fools on Apple or Spotify or anywhere you get your podcasts going and taking a look at that would be uh, would be wonderful. Dave, thank you so much 
for coming on the show, for sharing your story. You are such an incredible human being. And, you know, I've told you this before, but I want to tell our audience, you've been such an incredible instrumental figure in my life. You've been there for me, uh, helping me get to where I am as a shoulder to cry on or somebody to come to to ask for advice. And the impact that you have made on this community has changed my world and the world of many people. So thank you so much for coming ah, on the show today. Poppycock, Josh. No, no, I, I appreciate it. I really do. And I'm, I'm proud of you. You're doing a great job, buddy. So we have a great group of guests lined up for future episodes. You've been watching and listening to Off the Wall. I'm your host, Joshua Wall, and we'll see you next week. 